Thanks, Amber. Friends, please pray with me and for me. Holy Spirit, let us breathe in your goodness, for you are here. You are present among us, teaching us the stories of our faith. So Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear your story. And Holy Spirit, may all that I say point us toward greater union and intimacy with you, the lover of our bodies, minds, and souls. Amen. Sixty years ago, there were a bunch of confused pastors in Birmingham, Alabama. They were confused because another pastor and his band of obnoxious rebels were breaking the law. So this pastor, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., was gracious enough to write to these pastors from his jail cell in Birmingham. And he admitted to them that their concerns were valid, legitimate. And this is what he writes. Since we so diligently urge people to obey the Supreme Court's decision of 1954, outlawing segregation in the public schools, it is rather strange and paradoxical to find us consciously breaking laws. One may well ask, how can you advocate breaking some laws and obeying others? The answer is found in the fact that there are two types of laws. There are just laws, and there are unjust laws. I would be the first to advocate obeying just laws, one has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. Today our scripture story tells the beginning of the rebellion of the Hebrew people. Hebrews, who, like Dr. King, were marginalized. And when I say marginalized, I mean when a certain group of people place another group of people away from them. And they tell them that's where they belong. They are placed out of sight, out of mind, out of earshot, so that they don't have to be dealt with. Their existence is literally on the margins of society. It takes people who are being deemed inconvenient and moves them to a place where they won't be a perceived bother anymore. When people become marginalized, they don't have any social standing, don't have access to property ownership, and are often seen as low class, 
Low-class people who are feared, excluded, and despised. If you were called a Hebrew in the ancient world, this is how you were viewed. And that is oh so familiar for what Dr. King and his band and group were experiencing in their day as well. And yet here they are, people proclaiming that their lives mattered amidst a world that saw their very existence as a threat. So what we see in both of these civil rights movements, Dr. King's and also the Hebrews, because yes, the book of Exodus is largely the first God-ordained civil rights movement, shows that for these groups of people, their only way of survival is to disrupt the ordered society. And two unlikely Hebrew women are the ones who light the flame. They are the instigators who, in the words of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, don't simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice, but they drive a spoke into the wheel of injustice itself. Shifra and Pua picked up their spiritual spokes and drove it into the wheel of their unjust king. And the king of heaven was pleased. They were the first people who refused to obey an unjust law. And throughout human history, the language that oppressed people here has always been the same to some degree. Just be patient. Things are going to get better. You don't want to cause a disturbance. Don't cause too much of a fuss. You're only going to create division. That doesn't help anybody. Shifra and Pua refused to be patient. They, in fact, embraced division. Instead, and they engaged in creative, nonviolent civil disobedience. They are the instigators of the rebellion that would lead to Moses saying, let my people go. Shifra and Pua refused to accept the status quo of their world. They didn't just offer thoughts and prayers. I'm sure they had deep thoughts and intense prayers, but they decided to, in addition to the thoughts and prayers, be conduits through which God's plan of rebellion would come to life. They said no when they were asked to give up their seats on the bus of their society. They had little to no resources. They had been excluded from any way forward in their life. And they outsmarted the man with all the resources because God was with them. Pharaoh was trying to strip this community of his existence. 
Okay. Sorry about that, folks. Pharaoh was trying to strip, strip this community of their existence. Take away the boys, there goes their society. They couldn't fight in wars. The woman would have no way to survive in a world where men had all the legal privileges. It was going to crush this community psychologically, socially, and spiritually until they were extinct. Following the Pharaoh's orders would have been remarkably easy. Newborn babies aren't going to give up much of a fight. They are completely dependent on those whose arms they are placed in for life. Frankly, Pharaoh had given them a very easy task, except he didn't know the God these two women worshiped. These two women became criminals for God. Things that make you go, hmm. Scholar Will Gaffney gives a fascinating description as to what this may have been like. She picks her, her Shifra and Pua gathering all the midwives together after hearing Pharaoh's ruling and reminds them that God has brought their people a mighty long way and that God has brought them too far to leave them. Using Shifra's voice, Gaffney writes, Do not fear this Pharaoh or his warriors, not his war horses nor his chariots. God will blow them away like smoke in the wind. In our days before our eyes, God will break the back of Egypt and wash away its might. God will raise up one of our sons to lead us and all our children out of this house of slavery. Our hands and our wounds do God's work. We will deliver the deliverer. We will keep him safe until that day when God calls him to lead us to freedom. We shall receive our freedom, dancing to woman's on if we trust in the mighty power of Shaddai, who drew us from her holy womb, whose spirits cover the earth. And then Pua says, trust in God, whose name is holy. This is what we shall do. Deliver the baby's house, as many of the boys as you can. Raise others as girls. Do not worry about the Egyptians. They will not come house to house to check on women. They cannot imagine that we would defy the Pharaoh whom they would revere as a living God. What we see here is that the midwives, this is where the creativity comes in. The midwives are using the Pharaoh's own bias and racism against him. Don't you know, Pharaoh? Those Hebrew women, they're just a bunch of animals. Babies just come plopping out of them left and right. You can't keep track of them. Us, the Egyptian women, you know, we're, they're more refined, as you know, Pharaoh. They do things very properly and with dignity. Pharaoh hears that and says, well, 
that makes sense to me because those Hebrews are just completely not worthy of us. Shifra and Pua were wrapping Pharaoh around their bold little fingers and he had no idea. Creative, nonviolent, civil disobedience. That's what we see in this story and we cannot overlook this in the history of the Bible. Civil disobedience done at the urging of God can be the most dangerous and safe thing we can do. Dangerous because it does put us at risk. And safe because we are clearly in the hands of God. During World War II in a small town in France named Les Chambon, more than 5,000 Jews were rescued from imminent death at the hands of the Nazi regime. This small little village, a village of not more than 5,000 people, defied the governing forces and became what was considered the safest place for a Jew in Europe. The Trachme family led this resistance and they had the spirits of Shifra and Pua running through their veins. One time when the nearest uh, chief of police came to interrogate them and told the ringleader of the resistance, Pastor Andre Trockme, he told him this, Pastor, we know in detail the suspect activities to which you are devoted. You are hiding in this commune a certain number of Jews whose names I know. You are therefore going to give me the list of these persons and of their addresses. Trochme replied, I don't know anybody's name. And he didn't. Because they had given all the Jews fake IDs when they came into town. Another time when a Nazi lieutenant demanded to know where the Jews were hiding, the locals used the same strategy that Shifra and Pua used, using the Nazis' own bias against them and how they viewed Jews as less than. They said, answered, Jews, what would Jews be doing here? Have you seen any Jews? And then, and I admit this is a little um, judgmental, but it was a statement needed at the time to keep people safe. Because it said, you know, Jews, they have those crooked noses. Do you see anyone with a crooked nose around here? And the lieutenant just passes through town. The same way Shifra and Pua played into the Pharaoh's racism against the Hebrews by pointing fun at how they were unrefined in giving birth. The people of Le Chambon played into the Nazis' prejudice. It's amazing. This is true throughout human history. How people who hold prejudiced views 
always seem to think that everyone else will see things exactly how they do. And it's amazing who God will call to disrupt those corrupt agendas. Church family, pay your taxes, even when it's painful. Don't go 20 over the speed limit and claim God told you to commit civil disobedience. But don't forget the God you worship because sometimes that God may ask us to go against human-made rules. Sometimes God blesses the disobedient of the world. Sometimes they are the model citizens in God's kingdom. Because according to Jeremiah, we worship a jealous God who does not share the throne with anybody. Blogger Andre Henry wrote this in an online article. The champions of an oppressive system will always label dissenters as criminals and critics as traitors. We must never forget that a great cloud of witnesses before now were labeled in such terms. Harriet Tubman was a criminal, as was Rosa Parks as was Fannie Lou Hamer and so many other bold women and men that clearly feared God too much to obey the laws when the laws were clearly unjust. Can I say that again? And so many other bold women and men that clearly feared God too much to obey the laws when the laws were clearly unjust. And it all started with Shifra and Pua. Thanks be to God for their witness. Amen.